Welcome back. My name is Frank, and this is the What is a Campus Pastor podcast, where we are still talking about what it means to be a campus pastor. And this is interview number three, and we're going to be talking with Sterling Moore of Chapel Street Church down in Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago. I am thrilled to, to like meet him. This is uh, the first time I met him was when when I interviewed him. He was a recommendation of a for, of a former senior pastor of mine, and uh, he's a rock star. Uh, his church is a bit different than a lot of the multi-site churches that we interview on this podcast. It's, I, w- I wouldn't know. I don't know if I would say it's untraditional. But what I do know is that he has a bit more autonomy and a bit more opportunities to speak. And so he brings a level of insight that maybe some of you who are campus pastors are going to find yourself in. Or if you're a church that's still trying to develop your multi-site model and you get to speak into it, maybe you should listen to this podcast or somehow follow up with him to hear about what they're doing over at Chapel Street. But I am excited for you to hear from Sterling. But before we hear from him, uh, again, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so. Please share it with a friend. Do all the things. Review it. Give it five stars if you believe it's five stars. If you don't believe this is a five-star podcast, don't review it. But you should give us five stars. Um, and then again, at the end of this season, we're going to do a Q&A. And many of the folks who are going to be interviewed for this podcast will be in that Q&A. So please, send me a voice message. I would love to hear your voice. And we'd love to bring your questions to that interview. All right. <laughs> I am stoked to be here with Sterling. Um, he's pro- of all the campus pastors that I've been able to interview for this podcast. He's the closest to me. You know, he's down in uh, right outside of Chicago, and so we're like less than maybe an hour, hour and a half away from each other. We probably could have done this interview in person if we probably yeah, worked on our calendars a little better. But uh, but hey, Sterling, I'm glad that you're here. Please, for the people who are listening, can you introduce yourself? Tell us about your church, your campus, yeah. how long you've been there, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I am, as you mentioned, I'm in the western, far west suburbs of Chicago in the Geneva, Batavia area at Chapel Street Church. Um, Chapel Street is a uh, 120-something-year-old Baptist church, formerly Swedish Baptist Church of Geneva, then First Baptist Church of Geneva, now Chapel Street. Uh, our, our story is a little bit unique because we were accidentally multi-site, meaning we had in, in 2004, we had uh, gone to set up a new building where we thought everything would eventually move there. Our, our campuses from where we were at to where we were building were about a mile apart. And then 2008, the uh, real estate economy kind of crashed. We ended up sort of operating out of two buildings and, um, and yet really treated it as, as one. Um, and so we, we ended up and 2015 16 area is when we really started to explore this so that's i was a youth pastor there i've been at chapel street since 07 and uh and we had at the time we had started to experiment with the idea of a video venue and we ran it in the student ministry room it was called the worship cafe and we were just kind of almost like will people tolerate video preaching in our environment and I was asked to kind of be the venue pastor of, of that. So that sort of got me. I was still full-time student ministry doing all that. I just, I just did this kind of in addition to that. And, uh, and then that 
really ultimately that group of people started to form the nucleus of what ultimately would become the launch team for our first true campus, uh, the Mill Creek campus of Chapel Street Church, which opened in the fall of, of 2017. So I've been here um, six, 16, 17 years at Chapel Street in a mix of student ministry and then the last six or so in, in the world of uh, campus pastor. Now, did, are you a transplant to this area? Because I see a lot of Buckeye stuff in your background. Yeah, yeah. So my whole family, <laughs> I went to Moody uh, down okay. in Chicago and then met uh, my wife. Her family's all out from Bartlett. And so we uh, we ended up, first job in Wheaton, was there for about nine years. And then out here in Geneva, Batavia, St. Charles area. And, uh, and yeah, so my whole family is all still, and it, it runs deep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, I keep my Florida Gator stuff out of this room because I don't know how people would feel about it. And, uh, you being just south of us, sense. you know, that Wisconsin sports is only like, you only have one sport, one team for each sport and yeah. there's, there's nothing else. Right? right. Even though, and this is not for this podcast, but, um, uh, sometimes, Cubs games at the Brewers feels like a Cubs home game, and right. that's the weirdest feeling ever. But, anyways, that's 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 <laughs> not for this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Explain to me um, your uh, the multi-site model that you guys yeah. have adopted. Tell me how many locations total. If your campus is a true video venue, or do you preach live, and what does that look like? Yeah. Are you preaching? How often? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we are now. Um, Four campuses. The the Kesslinger campus functions as probably our what you might think of as kind of like the hub. It's our broadcast campus, that sort of thing. Um, the the Mill Creek campus and its launch in, in 2017 was part of a vision that we felt like God was leading Chapel Street into where we were going to plant uh, what we refer to as neighborhood churches. So the Mill Creek campus distance-wise from our Kesslinger campus is only about 10-minute 10, 10 drive. I mean, it's not, it's not like the next, like, region over, per se. Um, and it really is focused on existing in a specific neighborhood. Obviously, we're not limited to that, but the vision is to, to, to be a uh, – well, again – that language of Chapel Street is that's our name is not because any of our, our buildings started on a street named Chapel. It was neighborhood vision based on the homes, the people in our churches viewing their houses as chapels on their street. And so that's, that's the vision uh, that we're doing. It is predominantly live preaching. So all of our campus pastors saw our experiment with the video venue. Um, we realized we could do it, but it's not our DNA. Uh, we, we, we really, um, invest in, in developing preaching pastors at each campus. So we do offer simulcasts. Like last weekend, for instance, we had, uh, one of our preaching pastors had like a, a medical, um, situation with his in-laws had to leave town. I was able to go over and preach out of the Kesslinger campus and it was simulcast to Mill Creek. But I would say the ratio is probably about uh, 85% live preaching, 80% live preaching and, and about 20% simulcast. It's usually out of some strategic purpose 
or some um, scheduling reason that, that we will use simulcast. I guess a, a, an immediate question I'm thinking about now with that unique complexity that um, the campus pastors at all the campuses are preaching, how yeah. does um, how does identity of Chapel Street at large continue to be maintained when yeah. you have, mo- I mean, I guess I should have asked this question first too, is like on a Sunday, do all four pastors preach the same text? And is yeah. there some sort of like teaching cohort that you guys have to write your sermons? Or is it just like, or, or I guess another way to say this, is this more of just like a, a, a network of churches that are in good relationship right. with each other, kind of doing their right. own thing. Like how is it, is it still multi-site or is it just like Chapel Street denomination? And it's right. yeah, like, like, how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Because on that scale of like a true plant, which would be more of kind of an independent, like, you know, entity versus like uh, what we might typically think of as a, as a multi-site thing where you're transferring worship, the worship set, the, um, the, the, the sermon is often simulcast. We would be probably kind of past the midway scale towards church plant but we're we're still we, what you say is we're trying to transfer the dna of of chapel street so just exactly what you described like we have a weekly preaching team meeting we preach out of the same central text and have the same central kind of thrust of the text or direction that we're going um but then like depending on the week like one week if you watched all four sermons across all four campuses you might see us use very similar outlines because we kind of landed in the same place, talked about it, shaped it together. Other weeks you would hear us preach the same text, but we might, our four outlines might really be kind of significantly different because our emphasis, while we have the same thrust, we're wording it in kind of our own way and and contextualize it to that. So it, it really, um, varies from week to week in terms of how much kind of immediate overlap you would see. Hopefully you would see like these guys have talked to each other. They're, they're heading in the same direction. But, um, but again, we have a, a the, the purpose is to kind of each of us do our work in the text to agree upon some things and then deliver it in a way that is, is representative of kind of each of our personalities, our pastoral styles and the context that we're in. So at your campus, yeah, like how do they see their? How do they see the lead pastor? Like obviously, I, I think because you're preaching, you have now created the. Um, oftentimes, the the difficult thing that campus pastors would say they're facing is there. It's hard for them to build the credibility or the credit with their people because they only have six yeah. minutes on stage. If you're preaching, right. it's going to be a little bit easier because you can interject yourself yeah. into the message so they can like get to know you better. But now that right. you are very, I mean, there seems to be a level of autonomy that your campuses have that there's probably no burden on the person, the people to see you as their pastor, but then what's their relationship, if there is any, to the lead pastor over all yeah. the churches? That's a great question. Cause that is one of the, the reasons why we do strategically use simulcast from, from time to time is where oftentimes, like if we're launching our fall series, for instance, uh, it'll begin that first Sunday will begin with all four campuses um, hearing the same sermon preached from Pastor Jeff at simulcast in and and we're kind of all on the same page heading in the same direction um, but but to your point there 
there could be somebody who comes new to the Mill Creek campus, could be there for weeks before they would ever even, maybe even re realize that, you know, outside of catching something in an announcements and things like that, that, that there are other campuses and it might take them a while to even know who pastor Jeff is like our lead pastor that, you know, um, some of our, our communication that we send out to new contacts and stuff like that. We'll try to communicate some of that stuff. They receive some stuff from, from pastor Jeff, but that, that pastoral relationship for the people at each of the campuses, they're primarily going to view quote unquote, their pastor as the person at, at their campus. And so, because um, the one exception to that is for each of our campuses, the people who are a part of the launch team who came from, you know, one of those original two campuses that they have more of a, a, a long-term connection back, back to Jeff and or our lead pastor. Um, but when you come in new, it, it takes a while to kind of understand that structure and maybe even who, who Pastor Jeff is. Now, some like some of our, if they get involved in men's ministry, then Jeff often teaches in that. They're gonna they're gonna get to know him a bit, but um, it can take a while, and, and it can be, to be fair, it can be a bit confusing probably for people at times. Hi, everybody. This is Andrew Larson. You might know me from Practically Pastoring, which is one of the other, I don't know, dozen or so podcasts that Frank lends his voice to. If you've ever listened to our little show, you know that we spend a whole lot of time making fun of Frank, not because we don't love him, but because none of us actually understand what it is that a campus pastor does. So we're glad that you're listening to this show. But I also want to encourage you to check out Practically Pastoring because one of the things we discuss time after time is the importance of not doing ministry alone. Practically Pastoring is a great place to connect with other pastors who are going through the same things you're going through, understand what day-to-day -day ministry life is like, and it's also a great place to make fun of Frank. We hope you'll check it out. I'm assuming, because it's, it's like this even in churches where it's a video venue, um, but I'm assuming with the high autonomy when it comes to like the preaching, you as a, your staff at your campus, you're like a solid line relationship. And there, are there, is there like central services that kind of resource your, your yeah. people? Or is, is, that, is that the dynamic you have at your church? Yeah. So campus staff are solid lines to the campus pastor. And then they are dotted lines or are so like at the at, at central services, there is a a um, director over all of, of Chapel Street kids and leads leads the ministry at our largest campus at the Kesslinger campus. Like but that team of, of Chapel Street kids staff meets weekly. They share the same curriculum. They bounce ideas off each other. They will support each other if somebody's going to be gone or need some resources or whatever. They'll go back to kind of central services and, and receive that support. And we're proximity-wise, our North Aurora campus is our furthest away. And that's still within like a, a, a 15 to 20-minute drive from, from the Kesslinger campus. So the staff is able to be together, central services from communications to – finance department, 
Um, all of that is still housed in central services and we will go to them for, with our needs and, and get supported by that. You already answered this question, you know, you, you got into this role kind of out of just testing the waters, right? Like they, they yeah, said, Hey, right. we're going to put a, we're going to put a video venue into the campus and, and then, um, and then, the, Hey, as the youth pastor, can you just be like a video venue, uh, the representative in that room? I guess my, 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 my question to you then is what do you love about being a campus pastor? Now that this is more like thought out, you're actually at a location, yeah. you're at a, you have a building yeah. and you're like in the, in the thick of it. What do you love about being a campus pastor right now? Yeah, that's the, that's a great question. And, and um, it was interesting in those days of the worship cafe, because I think that was allowing me to exercise a side of ministry and a size of a side of, of um, my gifting that I wasn't experiencing in student ministry in the same way. And I, I started to really enjoy it. And, and it was also at the time that, um, that I was being asked to be a part of the preaching team more frequently. Um, so the demand there. And so there was a part of me that was starting to realize like, boy, I, I, I am really appreciating this side of, of ministry, it coincided with also my kids getting into the age where they were coming into student ministry. And so I was like wanting them to kind of hear a different voice than their dads. Um, although there's benefit in that too. But also I think it was the strategic call of the neighborhood church vision, like where it's like you have this community that you're getting placed in. It felt very missional. It felt very like, Go and 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 really, if you're familiar with the western suburbs of Chicago, the Mill Creek neighborhood is like I've oftentimes referred to it as kind of like suburbia within suburbia. Like it is, um, it is a unique community. And there was a part of me that when it, when this opportunity opened up, that I was I was sort of resistant to it because I was like, I don't know, I don't know if that's that's me. Like I. I originally I was like, you could look across these neighborhoods and you could think these are people who have everything. And the Lord started to really have to break my heart for the brokenness. He kind of opened my eyes to it, to see the need for Jesus in these neighborhoods and the surrounding area. And I really got impassioned about the, the opportunity, the strategic vision of saying, okay, how do we meet this unique subset of people where they're at? How do we, make the gospel relevant here? What are the ways that we introduce ourselves or, or reach people when they're even, even their own perception of their need may not be front of mind or they're not even, or they're not willing to sort of like present their need out there. Like how, how do we approach that? So that, that really started to excite me. Like, man, I, I, I love kind of the entrepreneurial strategic, work that has to be done to think about what does this look like in this place and, and rallying people around that vision, right? Like get, building that launch team was, was super fun for me. Um, spending all that time, like recruiting people and asking, like communicating the vision, asking them to be a part of it. And now recognizing that we're, as you're established, that work continues because you're constantly bringing in new people that you're trying to onboard into that vision. So that, that a lot of that is just what 
it's what gets me up in the morning, what, what keeps me going. Um, and I enjoy the, the relational kind of aspects of, of the work as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I said when I stepped out of student ministry to this role, the first thing I realized is that there was a whole side of my vocabulary that I'm now able to use because I'm yeah. preaching to adults. And like, that was right. like, that was like a, uh, an interesting experience because when you get so locked into student ministry, you, I, I actually feel like for a lot of former youth workers, when they get into a new kind of more adult specific role, you kind of run timid because you, you're thinking so much about the next generation and trying to make sure that it makes sense for them that you just unlocked a whole aspect of your ministry and an aspect of your skill set that you didn't even know was there while simultaneously learning from a fire hose of all these new things. It's, it's interesting. And I, I feel like for a lot, like when people ask me in the first few years after I became a, a campus pastor, you know, do you miss student ministry? Do you miss, you know, that kind of stuff? I would say, Oh, I, I miss the students. I miss some of the, I miss camp. I miss a lot of things, but yeah. like, I also really love what I'm doing and it's, and, and, I was just talking to um, her name is Katie Edwards. She is the campus pastor for Lake Forest Campus at Saddleback, and she was their middle school person for yeah. like the almost the entire time. And and I and I, I remember telling her it's like one thing someone taught me who was another campus pastor when I was wrestling leaving student ministry was that for me to actually love students better is by being in a position of authority where I can influence their families in a greater way and the surrounding yeah. community. I can be the biggest advocate for student ministry now in this chair, which I couldn't be while I was actually in student ministry. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's, it's interesting role change being in the seat and still being able to love students and student ministry. Um, what is the, uh, you know, you have a unique uh, setup there at your church. What is the what is the most challenging thing you are facing in your role as a campus pastor right now? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question, and I think um, you know one of the one of the benefits of this neighborhood church vision is the ability to really evaluate the community you're in and think about where are the opportunities and how do they exist. But we, we are also all four of our campuses are, are within like about, about a 15 minute drive of each other. And so some of the challenges come up against things that we're doing as like Chapel Street, whole big Chapel Street, and then things that we're trying to do uniquely or specifically at our campus and in our community. Um, how do we use a specific strategic vision here and also kind of support be in alignment with Chapel Street's entire vision. And, and, and so um, sometimes, honestly, those things are in conflict with each other. I, I, have the, I have a great relationship with our lead pastor. So we're able to have really honest conversations with each other about times when when I feel like there's things that I am really trying to integrate or implement here and, and might feel like it's, it's uh, being kind of, I don't know if depleted is the right word, running up against things that are happening in Chapel Street as a whole. You know, there's always, you're always looking at conversations around resources of time, energy, building space, all of those sorts of things. And, and trying to navigate, okay, how do we how do we support and and put emphasis on each of the campus, but also recognize there is a big a big vision that we are about that that we also want to support, 
Um, our, our fourth campus in North Aurora, in some ways, this is kind of testing this even, it's stretching us further. Um, culturally, it's more of a diverse area. So we're learning some things that we um, have never had to really think about in the same way. Um, it's, it's good. It's, and it's also the furthest away. So some of those things where at the Mill Creek campus, people were comfortable doing a central thing at Kesslinger. Um, at North Aurora, it's it, on that like borderline, am I going to go, am I going to make that drive over there? And so, it, it, again, like we are in constant communication, trying to honestly table those things. Part of my role just shifted to, um, to be the executive pastor of campuses to kind of represent each of the campuses and the work they're doing, their unique strategic vision and their community on kind of the, the um, leadership team of the church so that that voice is, is a part of that and, and um, trying to navigate those things. Cause it is, it is challenging. And it's sometimes I'm sure frustrating um, for whether that's the lead pastor or a campus pastor um, so that that's really where you have to relationally, it becomes really critical to have a, a, the kind of relationship with your lead pastor where you can go and say, here's what we're thinking and why we're thinking it. But I think it is going to, it's going to ask people to do this instead of that. Are you okay with that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, that's not a unique issue with your, your church at all. Like, I mean, right. I feel like that's like the quintessential conflict with the, the difficulty of being a consistent multi-site is wrestling against campus stuff that doesn't, you know, um, church global stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense at the campus. And also bringing your campus stuff to a light that the central people will care about it. Right. Like that, right. that conflict is, is at every multi-site that I've talked to. And, um, and I think it comes down to one, um, advocating for your campus and, and being able to articulate the needs of your yeah. campus without like being defensive or and I, man, this is like huge is not making it us versus them. Like if you're not at the broadcast campus or the mothership campus, however you want to call that, it's very easy to be feeling like, you know, the middle child that doesn't get the resources that the, the firstborn gets or something like that. Yep. And, yeah. and, and that kind of attitude at the staff level will end up, being felt in the congregant level and then yeah. you're create you're you're creating division that um is going to take a long time to fix you know right uh, that's absolutely right yeah so i think that like that's that like uh i think you know in sam yoon's book uh uh the the camp the only campus pastor book that exists he talks about being able to communicate well not just like the, the 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 church at large to your people but also explain your people to your church and yeah. uh and and that's a, a unique skill set because because it's not necessarily intuitive and it's also not necessarily like the communications person at the central level is thinking always broadly the whole church and that doesn't get contextualized unless someone tells them what that looks like right uh that's exactly right it, it's a challenge but it's it's a it's a yeah. it's a worthy challenge for a campus pastor to to do uh what is the uh, uh two more questions what's the best piece of advice uh you would give to a campus pastor who's in their role right now that like hey here's one tip that i learned that will make your job better or easier what would it be 
Yeah, that's a great uh, question. I think one of the things, I don't know if this is is specific to kind of the our model or not, but um, don't be afraid to try and fail. Like learn, some people say it like fail fast. I'm not, a, I don't know if that's exactly how I would articulate it, but one of the things and kind of building relationships in this community is we, we had to just try a number of things. And there was stuff where it was like, not, you know, rarely would nobody show up, but not the kind of thing where you were like, wow, we're going to celebrate this in our staff meeting on on Wednesday. And the only the only way that we figured out how to make inroads was trial and error. It was like, we've got a will it work to show up at this community event? Is that going to be an opportunity to build connection? Or do we just waste all our times? We, we tried doing some stuff for um, some families in our neighborhood that um, to offer a dinner and and this is for some under resourced families. And like, we would put this whole thing together, open up the church, I think our highest attended on it was four people. And then we figured out, like, what if we took this to the area, the apartment complex, that sort of thing, and just showed up and, and, and it's like we've had 100 or 120 people showing up, building genuine relationships, seeing, seeing God just move in some really cool and unique ways. And again, it, in our head, we thought we want to play like the really good host. You know, we want to welcome people in, but that it didn't work. Like we had to find, we had to find the thing that worked. So if I could encourage a campus pastor who is, is launching a campus, trying to understand the community and the neighborhood, how are they going to meet people where they're at? I would say use that sort of like, let's give it a shot. If it doesn't work, like, let's move on to, to the next thing. Don't be afraid to try and fail. Um, if your fear of failure is, is kind of front of mind, it's going to limit you from ultimately discovering what works. Yeah, there's a book. I think it's by Tom Rainer. It's called like, The Post-Quarantine Church. And, um, and, like, the book is basically saying, like, hey, we're an uncharted – the quarantine and the pandemic changed everything and therefore you gotta um take some risks and you gotta do some out-of-the-box things and he talks about like i think this is really good for like multi-site churches it's like um what if you opened up your space to be a free venue for neighborhood people to celebrate their birthdays or hold events at your church or like like just really being creative and like not charge them rental fees or something like that like like um being very, very like the ways things worked before the pandemic are not going to work now. And so therefore right. you, you have to be willing to be able to try new things. And like you said, and those may fail, but like, um, you know, I forgot who said this, but it's like failure is not necessarily failure. It's realizing that that didn't work. So now we know what to right. do next time. You know, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's really good. Uh, now think about, you know, at your church, you said that you're in a role where like, you're kind of advocating for all the campuses in a way. And so you might interact with, uh, if not have been, and you will in the future probably, interact with new campus pastors, people who weren't campus pastors who are now. Um, what's a piece of advice that you wish you had known before you took this role that would have like helped you start off better? Yeah. I think the, the piece of advice that I, I would, I wish I would have done better in launching this campus and 
um, and would really try to lean into to somebody who was going to launch Campus 5 at Chapel Street. And it would be like hand off meaning, meaningful leadership to not only your your the rest of your staff on, but to the volunteer lay leaders in your church. Like there is part of what will make you successful in this role is going to be your capacity to identify, empower, uh, to recruit and and equip additional leaders. Like what you will come up against if you don't do that well is like everything is going to, the limitation is going to be you. It's going to be like your capacity, how many hours you have in the week, like how big your bucket is to handle, juggle different things. And it really is never, not the New Testament vision of, of, of the church. Like it's, it is the God's people. So if you can, if you can identify specific areas and recruit and develop people. It one it increases the degree of ownership that some of your key volunteers have. They're not going to just approach coming to church as a an obligation. Like they're they're going to come with like a sense of I'm invested. If 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 I bring a friend today and they have a bad experience, like they're going to walk away feeling like some part of that. Like ah, oh, like I wish. I wish we could have done this better. Or if they feel like their friends, like, man, I had six different people introduce themselves to me. I, I got to know this guy. My kids had an amazing experience uh, in, in the children's ministry. Like you're going to feel this sense of celebration, like that, that partial ownership. Like, so the, the more that you can strategically hand off key elements of leadership, it also gives you an opportunity just to celebrate people. Because when, when your alpha ministry goes really well and you had very little to do with that, like I get to, I get to say like, hey, let me, let me tell you about Susie. Let me tell you about her leadership in alpha. Let me tell you about how it went. Like you, you get to celebrate people using their gifts for kingdom purposes. And I think there's something about that that's kind of contagious, man. It gets people like excited and like, wow, what if, maybe I could make this investment here. Um, it took, it took me a while. You re, I was really kind of hands-on in a number of ways before I realized this is not sustainable or, or the limitation is going to be me. And so if you can, if you can come at it from the get go with that sense of like, part of my job is to identify and to empower, uh, yes, my staff, but also like key volunteer leaders um, it's going to increase the impact that that you can have in in your community and your neighborhood as as a church for the sake of the gospel. Love it, Sterling. This has been awesome. If if someone's listening to this, whether they're a Buckeyes fan or in Chicago or someone who just wants to hear more information from you, like to chat with you or talk to you, what's the best way for them to reach out and follow you and contact you? Yeah, the 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 best way would be my email um, s more s m o O-R-E at chapelstreetchurch.com. Um, like you said, it, it, there's a lot of, of campus pastors who are looking for, for resources and there's not a, a ton available. The best resource available right now is each other um, to, to walk with each other, support each other. And so I like, I love learning from Frank, from others. Like, what are you guys doing that's working? How are you? And if there's, 
like you said, conversations in the Chicagoland area or in anywhere, really. Um, I'm always looking to kind of pick the brain of other campus pastors and hear from them, see what's, see what's frustrating them, see what's encouraging them and, and, um, and continue to move forward together. That's awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for what you're doing at your church. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. Thank you.